I'm Suzanne Perazzini from strandsofmylife.com and you're listening to The Low Carb Leader. Welcome to The Low Carb Leader Podcast, a podcast focused on optimizing health and performance through a low-carb lifestyle. Every episode will bring you a step closer to living an amazing low-carb life. Come join us for this exciting journey. And here is your low-carb leader and host, Dan Perryman. Hello, and welcome to the Low Carb Leader Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Perryman, and you have joined me for episode 43. Today, we have a great interview with Dr. Stephen Lewis and his wife, Janet Lewis. We will be talking about lab testing and supplements and how they affect your overall health. Before we get into the interview, I just want to remind you, please visit me at thelowcarbleader.com where you can find all the podcasts, a blog, and you can find links to all my social media sites. All right. I know you will enjoy this interview, so let's get into it. Dr. Stephen and Janet Lewis. On today's show, we have Dr. Stephen Lewis and Janet Lewis. Dr. Lewis is a chiropractor. They have a long history of helping people achieve their maximum potential. Dr. Lewis stays current on the latest research pertaining to nutritional supplements and optimal health. Janet is a certified natural health consultant with a unique perspective on alternative and complementary nutrition from studying with numerous national leading alternative health experts. Paramount in their education was their trip to China while studying with traditional Chinese medical doctors. Dr. Lewis and Janet know the importance of proper nutrition in the healing process and the maintenance of the human body. After seeing a growing public need, they teamed up with Doctors Nutrition to offer extremely low-cost blood work to determine the most appropriate nutritional products that are only available through a doctor's office. So welcome to the show, Dr. Lewis and Janet. Thank you for having us. Good to be here. All the way from Texas, right? I know. You bet. Big state. <laughs> yeah. Did did you both grow up in Texas? Yes, I grew up uh, close to Dallas and Fort Worth. Um, my husband here is from East Texas in a little town called Hugh Springs. Yeah, well, East Texas redneck, you know, uh, rural. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, I uh, I spent ten years in the South and Alabama and Mississippi and Kentucky, and I I do note a slight accent in both of you. <laughs> yeah, and he's got the mustache and the boots and the you know the whole Texas thing going. Yeah, I saw the picture. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Janet, why don't we start with you? You want to introduce yourself to the listeners and tell us a little bit about the Natural Health Consult? Yes, um, Dr. Lewis is the brains of the operation. I am the one who got to experience a lot of it physically. So um, together. I guess we formed Doctors Nutrition um, from me having some health problems, uh, from him always being in nutrition and being even more interested in it after I went through a hysterectomy at age 35. I'm just slightly older than that now, but yeah, yeah. won't say. Yeah, she's <laughs> 32. <laughs> yeah. Going the medical route after the surgery, I gained a whole lot of weight. I was very tired and um, realized there had to be something different. So we uh, found Doctors Nutrition and, and uh, learned about the low-cost lab work and ran that and realized that I was missing a lot of things nutritionally. And thank goodness my husband's smart enough to put it together and tell me what that was. All right, Dr. Lewis? Well, she humors me. Actually, Janet is very incredibly intelligent. Yeah, what we've done, we try the natural approach and we 
tell people, you know, we have the best medical profession in the world, which I definitely do believe. And, you know, the medical profession has saved my bacon more than once. Uh, but uh, there's something missing with America being so sick and, you know, on most scales where the dead last in overall health, but in spite of a good medical profession. So what's missing in our diet? Um, I, my daddy died early at 53, you know, complications from ulcerative colitis and things that are generally pretty easily fixed through natural medicine. Um, uh, that was that was kind of my uh, wake up call. It's, I was 15 when daddy died. And it's like, well, you know, that kind of was traumatic. So I tried to learn natural medicine. And uh, it, it's amazing when the chiropractors and osteopaths and medical doctors work together and we treat a massive amount of nurses and a few medical doctors and their families. And I think there's room for both, and I think each one can uh, help the other one be more effective. So we, we kind of have a good relationship there. Yeah, I was always a chiropractor, and although I was very successful at that, you know, my major emphasis was more into nutrition, and I just see people bloom when you put uh, nutrients in the body and, and what the body can do with it because our food is just not uh, nutrient dense, even compared to the 1970s. Uh, and it's full of chemicals, things that are not healthy. And, you know, we have some clients like one in London. I said, well, for your allergies, you need to quit eating this, 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 and this. He said, stop, doc. He said, we don't eat that stuff in England. We, we won't even let some of those genetically modified organisms in the country. And I said, yeah, okay. So the lack of health in America, I think, is a multifaceted thing that we can you know, visit different areas about, well, it's nutrition or it's toxins or it's uh, the consumerism and we get uh, too hurried and, and have lost our sense of humor. So, you know, we, we just uh, approach it from whatever the patient seems to need and good health can be had. You just kind of have to go down a little bit different path. Talk a little bit about your trip to China and studying with the Chinese medical doctors and how has that influenced the way you practice? Well, we took a lot of different courses, um, you know, here in America. And uh, when we did go, it was uh, it's it pretty interesting. Part of it was just sightseeing and seeing the, you know, the Great Wall and the Terracotta Warriors, uh, Xi'an, the Forbidden City had lunch in the, their equivalent of the White House. And then we flew off to a governor's mansion in a different province. But there were a lot of courses given by uh, Chinese medical doctors, traditional Chinese medicine. We went to Beijing teaching hospital and kind of looked around there and, and went to the world's oldest herbal pharmacy, which was really incredible. I think they started that in the 1600s. But they look at things much differently than we do. You know, they will not check pulse to check heart rate, but they'll see if it's thin and thready. They'll look at your eyes. They'll look at your hands. They'll look at, your, you know, your tongue. And it's amazing what the body will tell you if we just knew what to look at. Yeah, kind of simply put, they think conditions can be hot or cold or wet or dry. And then when you determine what the problem is, it's just too wet, for example, they will give you herbs that have the nutrients in it to allow your body to dry up the condition. It's it's definitely interesting, and I, I think we should blend it even more than we do with Western medicine because China has a really good blend of traditional versus Western. They do a good job of that. I think that like the Eastern medicine is pretty fascinating because it's been around for so long, um, right? You know, curing people for a long time before you know Western medicine. So, when did you go to China? 
have been about ten years ago. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was right. It was right before we uh, got involved with Doctors Nutrition uh, because I at that time was overweight and uh, trying to walk around China, and I thought something's really wrong here. And they were talking to me in Chinese. <laughs> And he talked about the, you know, the wet condition. Well, that's more like the tired and no energy type thing. And that's what they kept telling me. They're like, you need, you need energy. I thought, I do need energy. And well, she said she was overweight. You know, that's a relative term, well, you know, maybe 15 pounds. Well, I went from a size six to a size 12 in a year. So to me, that was overweight. I, I didn't carry it well. You know, me working in the hospital, I know that the labs are very expensive and a lot of doctors... You know, they look at certain testing more from a treatment standpoint. So let's talk a little bit about that. How did you come to start the company and what caused you to think about offering these lower cost labs? Well, basically, we, um, you know, Dr. List takes tons of seminars and they always discuss doing functional medicine, you know, basically what it's called. But the concept was if we take the barriers down, we're able to help a whole lot more people get well. Um, we have of, friends that practice this also and right. kind of took us under their wing. Um, right. You know, the thing about it is I always defend the medical profession. You know, being na- in natural medicine, we get people in that are anti-medical. And I said, no, you should never do that. Your doctor is not the issue. Your hospital's not the issue. It's just that they have their hands tied uh, within parameters of standard of care or what the insurance company will allow. Uh, and so that's where you see not enough lab work done. And people say sometimes, well, you do too much lab work. I said, well, you know, you've had $10,000 worth and it, it well, has not uncovered the problem. So when I throw, uh, when I take lab work, I throw a big net, you know, it's kind of a fishing analogy, but so what that I give it away at cost? I don't make that much money and I, I give my time away. It's like, yeah, you just buy your supplements from me because supplements have such a huge difference in quality and the variations and all that. So we just basically wanted to take the guesswork out of what they needed for nutrition instead of being like the, you know, the the neighbor down the road that said, well, it worked for Aunt Mary, go try a bottle of it. And, and it, you know, may or may not work for you. The the lab work shows us exactly what's missing with nutrition. And then the uh, supplements that we use are pharmaceutical grade, which means they will actually move the lab values. They actually have to have third party verification. It has to be within 5% of what it says on the label where you know, one of the studies I read said with vitamin D, it can be 20-something percent of what it's on, what's on the label or 140-something percent. It's like, well, that, and, and most vitamin D, you know, doesn't really work that well. So, and it has to do with GI function and, you know, what your uptake can be. So, you know, there's so many different variables. So that's when we check so many different things, you can say, well, okay, your thyroid's not where it should be, but is that an adrenal uh, additional problem with the adrenal glands being stressed because they have that adrenal thyroid axis you have to consider. Yeah, I was just at the doctor maybe four or five months ago doing my annual physical and I work in the hospital. I, I hadn't realized they used to just order a bunch of tests. And this time he's like, you know, I'm not really going to order any labs because insurance companies don't pay for them anymore. So that even kind of right. came as a surprise to me because they used to just order CBCs and, you know, counts and all that. But they're really tied by what the insurance companies allow. I pulled up one of your panels. And so uh, if we can talk real quick about not the importance of every single one, but so you have, <laughs> you, you have uh, 
CBC with differentials, CMP, lipids, thyroid, C-reactive protein, which I hear a lot about, A1C, iron panels, right. vitamin Ds. Uh, what would you consider the key tests that you would always order somebody to get a kind of get a baseline? Well, again, I have to order a lot. You know, one of the things we deal with is, you know, on the CBC, you look at the neutrophils and lymphocytes and, you know, they should be in a certain ratio, not in the reference range off to the right, because that reference range covers the majority of America. And just because it's common does not mean it's optimal or healthy. And there are so many people that come in, well, their neutrophils over a period of months or years have gone down, their lymphocytes come up, uh, and it's usually a uh, viral pattern, you know, that can be Epstein-Barr or mono or the cytomegalovirus. And then if the monocytes are very high, you know, monocytes generally should be under a seven. If they're high and stay high, that would indicate uh, probable allergies and inflammation. Uh, Eosinophils, for example, um, you know, that's a white blood cell that comes out when you have digestive incompetence or food allergies or sensitivities to the chemicals in our environment. There are many, many, many chemicals that's interfering with proper function. So, and we test cortisol because who's not stressed, you know, whether it's chemical stress or financial stress, you know, there's so many different stressors. We check that, uh, that should be in a more optimal range. We do about five well, we do five parts of the thyroid. I cannot tell by just TSH, the stimulating hormone, what's happening with the thyroid. And from a natural point of view, the things that interfere with thyroid function are the plastics and pesticides or the chlorines or the bromines or the fluoride in your toothpaste. And so if the TSH, generally it should go low, but the one that's I think most important is free T3, the active hormone. And you, I think oh, go ahead, Jen. I think many times they test just the TSH, um, which is the brain getting a signal, and the truth thyroid function is in the free T3. So many times we find they actually need thyroid or have been given too much thyroid based on the TSH. So that's why we like to run the different parts. Or, or C-reactive protein. You know, the Cleveland Clinic, which is, I know, arguably the best um, you know, the best heart clinic in America. I'm sorry to say that, but, you know, I said arguably. But they think that the C-reactive protein, the high-sensitivity one, is about four times better indicator of a future heart attack and stroke than your cholesterol levels. And I personally think the cholesterol levels are artificially low, the reference ranges, because cholesterol is important in, in rebuilding the brain. It's important in making hormones. It's important in every cell in the body. So you have to be careful about wanting to lower it without uh, checking, is there enough inflammation to make it stick in the first place? And we can go further with the uh, cholesterol testing to get into the apoloprotein A and B or the, the particle sizes. The sizes are more important than the numbers in itself. But uh, I never interfere with what the medical profession does because that's not my training, but we can add uh, nutrients and make great changes and decrease, say, the inflammation from a C-reactive protein. Yeah, that's interesting. I hear a lot of typically women that have thyroid issues, and I see you have written a book, Thyroid Sniper. Is that such oh. a big problem that you uh, decided to write a book about it? <laughs> well, yeah, it, it's a huge problem and it's not just women, but I think women actually pay attention to their bodies much better than men. That's why they outlive us and they're prettier than we are. But, uh, 
you know, I've read dozens and dozens and dozens of thyroid books and Janet says, well, you need to quit recommending all these different books and write your own. And I said, yeah, okay, no big deal. Well, I got into it and basically I'm, I'm more of a shoot straight kind of guy. It's like, well, here's the nutritional deficiencies that can add to a thyroid problem or not being in optimal range. Here are the plastics, pesticides, the MSG, the additives, uh, this, you know, it's lack of zinc and selenium and tyrosine and iodine. And then I went into the Hashimoto's, the, the autoimmune disease. And I said, some of the books out there say you should never, never give a person with Hashimoto's disease iodine. Other books say you can give them 50 to 75 milligrams, which is a massive dose of iodine. So I, I said in this very short book, what you have to do is look for a medical and or natural practitioner that can balance it because it's not either or. You're an individual and you should be treated as such. On the thyroid, though, do you find that actually maybe just not the thyroid, just overall, do people comply with your recommendations? I'm guessing if they come to you, they're looking for new recommendations. But in general, it doesn't seem like compliance is that great so that people continue to experience health problems and they kind of know the answer. What's, what's your take on that? Do y'all have that issue also? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I always like to say, you know, we, we now have wheelchairs that are accommodate a thousand pound patients. And I think that kind of sums it up. Mm -hmm. That's true. Our, our issue is that they always look it up on Google and tell us what's wrong with them. Yeah, <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that is so, t- well, I thought we were supposed to bring in our Google printout. When, yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, we do have some compliance problems. Some people, you know, really jump on it and say, can you add another supplement? Can you add another one? Can you add another one? And then you have the ones that want it instantly because we've become a society that wants instant results, even though it takes God nine months to make a baby, but they expect us to pull it off in three weeks. We say, well, you're looking for a miracle. Uh, Then you have people that don't love themselves enough to, you know, they'll know that's the answer, but they don't really love themselves enough to help create the outcome. So yes, there is a compliance problem. We talked to some medical doctors and I'll I'll be frustrated. And they said, listen, most of them don't even fill our prescriptions, much less take them as directed. Yeah. That is actually one of the major problems we have with patients that we discharge out of the hospital. They don't get prescriptions out of the ED either. And then they'll end up back in the hospital. But I would just think though, if uh, somebody is reaching out to you through your website and looking for this, then they probably would be more compliant. Speaking of you, you mentioned GI problems and, you know, working in a hospital, there's a lot of business people and stressed out nurses. And how does stress, anxiety affect GI issues? They quit going to the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) I'm always famous for this. You know, that's one of the first things we ask someone is how many meals a day are you eating? Uh, And most of them will tell us three. And then we'll say, well, how many bowel movements are you having a day? And so many people have one or none a day and they'll go, oh, I go, you know, every couple of days. And I tell them, well, if you had three trains that go through a tunnel, how many should come out on the other side? <laughs> yeah, that's, and they're a, like, that's a great. And, and, and if they're not coming out, then where did they go? Which is the bigger problem. So, and I, and I try to tell them all of it goes to organ health and you talk about nurses and, and many of them come in and go, we just don't have time to go. You know, we're, we're on shift work and we just can't we just can't take the time so a lot of it starts 
you know, then when they're young, you know, in school, they can't, um, they don't get time to go and you start making pockets in that colon and then they start having health issues because that all goes to organs. And, and then you guys have to treat them for diverticulitis. Uh, you know, there's, there's so many challenges to gut health and I, I try to make the analogy of, you know, your GI tract has everything to do with stress, anxiety, and depression. I actually gave that talk to a group of a big medical group here in Longview, stress, anxiety, and depression is not all in your head. And I referenced it with medical research and the MDs and PhDs and psychiatrists and dentists came up and said, man, you're absolutely, wow, where'd you come from? I said, I've been here very, very quietly, just taking care of people and using your research. You know, there's so much research out there about uh, neurotransmitters, and most of us have impaired digestion anyway. We don't really produce hydrochloric acid. Most of us that think we have high HCL actually have low HCL, and that's from, to, to a large degree, lack of digestive enzymes because of the plastics and pesticides and because of wheat. You know, there, there's a study that says wheat can cause schizophrenia. And I tell people if you just give up anything containing gluten, there's many, many people that get well. Uh, so we don't digest real well, and then it doesn't sterilize what comes in there, and then the virus, yeast, and fungus can go on in uh, further down and set up shop. So it's a uh, intestinal dysbiosis or too much candida usually, and it, it can be as simple as you know, there's a good research that talks about cow's milk. You know, if you consume it for a long time, actually increases permeability, and that you know that actually is counter counteracted by the lactobacillus probiotic you talk about. And, you know, that's from Journal of Gastroenterology. You know, it's a really good study. Uh, you know, there's, there's so many different ones. There's ones that talk about lack of B-complex. And they say, well, but I'm eating my greens. Yeah, okay, you live in Texas, but you're getting your greens shipped from California. And it's sprayed with uh, Roundup. So there's a problem there that challenges the good bacteria in your GI tract. So, you know, it's it's a multitude of different problems that cascades in. And, you know, like the candida, they will pretty much prevent um, GABA, dopamine, serotonin, et cetera, et cetera, because we have a nation full of stressed and depressed people. So look to the GI tract, assimilation of nutrients, and the inability to eliminate properly, like Janet said. Gas bloating belching. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's how you know you've got the problem. Yeah, so I was going to ask you, so like, what is the typical number of bowel movements you should have a day? I was just curious from your comment well, about three. Well, if you're eating three meals, you should be going three times a day. You should be going within 30 minutes to an hour after a meal. I think you just shocked every listener right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's ex but that's exactly where everything starts. And then the rest of these problems generally come from that was never taken care of couple questions about what you were talking about. Is gluten sensitivity becoming more accepted? Because, you know, a few years ago it was more of a conspiracy theory, but it seems that gluten intolerance is more mainstream now. Are people understanding that that come to you? Well, I, I think the doctors are becoming more aware of it and there's more research that proves that it's true. But, you know, we have to understand that the way we fertilize our food with the NPK actually stops the plant from chelating and uptaking calcium and magnesium and potassium, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I've been on some pretty big podcasts, that, and we kind of had this uh, friendly argument about whether wheat was genetically modified or, or not. And these people that are much more 
uh, knowledgeable about agricultural practices than me said, oh, gluten's only four times higher than it used to be just a few decades ago. Well, if you look at what gluten does to the microvilli of the intestines and how that impedes uh, nutrient uptake, some of the research actually says there's 40 times more gluten in wheat than there was back in the 1970s. So yes, it's becoming more mainstream, but I think the doctors are seeing more you know, the celiac and, and Crohn's disease and things like that, or even mild gluten intolerance. And some of that's genetically driven. I don't like to interpret genetic testing because that's a little bit over my head, but uh, there's some really good genetic testing that talks about gluten intolerance, and we have it to different degrees. And now we, our society has about 50% of us have a broken gene called 5-MTHFR, the 5-methyltetrahydrofolate reductase, but to different degrees, depending on which gene. I've got one uh, genetic SNP on 677, so that can lead to uh, uh, gluten intolerance. On the same token, can lead to stress, depression, obesity, many types of cancer, fibromyalgia, uh, obesity, and the inability to lose weight. I mean, that MTHFR gene can cause all sorts of problems, in, including infertility. It just goes on and on, and it takes a person, you were talking about compliance, it kind of takes them to be willing to say, I'm going to get off Google and let my doctor lead me because that's one of the problems in America is we've become a nation that's so full of knowledge but not understanding and wisdom. And I have to tell people every day, you know, one of my heroes is Einstein. And Einstein said something to the effect of you can't fix the problem with the same consciousness you had when you created the problem. And people are taken aback by that. It's like, well, I think I'm pretty smart, but I'm not smart enough to fix my own problems. Like Janet Google one time, we were we were in Hot Springs, Arkansas, and uh, I went on to bed, and she wasn't feeling good, and woke up the next morning. She said, I found out my problem. I got on Dr. Google. I said, great. What's, what's the issue? She said, I have prostate cancer. So I tell people, stay off Google. Oh, you know, my strategy is if I have a headache and the first thing that pops up says I have a brain tumor. I just go to find something until it just says, don't worry about it. And I'm good. <laughs> yeah. That's my, that's my theory. Yeah, I know. I, it can, that's a good one. It can actually put you in panic if going on Google, because it's always, I think people are just tuned into the worst case scenario, but uh, that's, yeah. that's funny. So this is a low carb podcast and it sounds like you're definitely anti-grain. What's your nutritional approach? Well, that's the big thing. We tell them to, to stay away from grain. And they're like, okay, well, I don't really eat bread, but, you know, I'm having cereal in the morning. And uh, and they I, think macaroni and cheese right. is a vegetable. Noodles. <laughs> so we tell them no pasta, rice, bread, potatoes. And, and we try to get them, we try to tell them to eat like the farmers used to eat, eat the lean meats and vegetables and shop around the outside edges of the store and stay out of the middle. <laughs> yeah, so, that, that's what I say too. Exactly. I agree with everything you're saying. And I'm, I'm going to get back to this concern with plastics. But, you know, I try to buy organic and local vegetables. Yes. And I don't think people realize that your bright red strawberries that came from wherever are probably painted bright red. You don't grow strawberries in Illinois in the winter, I don't think, unless I <laughs> unless I miss that farm. I'm not sure. But <laughs> Yeah, so I agree. I I say that all the time. Stay on the, stay on the uh, outside aisles. Although the local store now has 
Twinkies on the outside aisle. So you have to kind of, you got to jog by them because I don't think Twinkies are naturally made. (laughs) So what are your tips around back to the gut for a second on taking good care of your gut? And then how do you avoid the plastics and the roundup and all that? You know, you can't really avoid it, but it's really good to cut the amounts down. You know, you don't microwave in plastic. You know, styrene in styrofoam cups is one of the things that the body has incredible amount of difficulty to detoxify. You know, we're drinking filtered water out of plastic bottles, so that's not good. So, you know, Janet and I have a big reverse osmosis system in our home, and that helps. And even the dogs and cats will choose reverse osmosis over the tap water. So even the dogs and cats have a wisdom. Uh, And we tell them if you're going to buy bottled water, which, you know, you can't get around all of it, but you can at least make better choices. Look on the bottles and make sure they say filtered with reverse osmosis and not just, you know, spring water. We've got a place here that uh, would make you think it's coming out of the rolling hills of Colorado and it's completely clean. And uh, it's coming out of a place here that, you know, I wouldn't put my animal over there to drink that water. Well, I used to be on a deer lease in that county and it's like the things you know went on on the deer lease, you wouldn't drink that water anyway. (laughs) So, So why is reverse osmosis so good for you? Uh, You know, for the most part, at least to my understanding, it really does filter out some of the smaller things. You know, it gets all of the cyst and and things like that, but it will filter out about 99.9% of the fluoride uh, and the chlorine. And I understand why they use that to be a disinfectant, but, you know, the chlorine-based pesticides uh, are one of the biggest causes of cancers. And, well, there's a, there's so many of them. And that 5-MTHFR gene, you know, we're talking about genetic expression being altered just by what's in the GI tract. So it's very important that you take probiotics, and they're not all the same. And not from yogurt. Yeah, and, and it's <laughs> yeah, good exactly. to learn. It's really good to learn to ferment your own also. But, yeah, some of the yogurts, like, yeah, it's a big falsehood. And you know, I've listened to one guy that was an FDA inspector that said there was one brand of yogurt that claimed they had a, a particular type of probiotic in there that didn't even exist. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, falsehoods and distortions in advertising. You know, some to advertise, they'll say, well, it's all natural. That doesn't necessarily imply that it's good or that it's pesticide-free. So, yeah, organic and and at the farmer's market, if you know your farmer and you know how they raise their animals and grow their crops, that, that helps a lot. Gut health also, you know, a big thing that we give people are digestive enzymes, which are, are not probiotics. A lot of people think that the that's the same thing. Uh, the probiotics are good bacteria for the gut where the digestive enzymes help you break the foods down. Uh, the problem with most of them is that they're plant-based, so they don't break down the meats. We've got one that we use here that we really like that has ox bile in it. That has helps. enough lipase to help with the fats, uh, protease, and it, a little bit of hydrochloric acid. And so. it mimics human digestion, so it helps you break break the foods down, and you'll know it works because it stops the gas bloating and belching. So, you know, when you talk about your hospital and your conventional docs, do they notice that there's a great increase in uh, say gastrointestinal problems in children, you know, failure to, tr- to thrive and, you know, colic and throwing up their formula and things like that. You know, that's a good question. You know, I think that most doctors just kind of treat the patient as they come. Uh, you know, it's more of, I look at the doctors and we have good, great doctors. I say that all the time, but right. you know, they're, 
they kind of do the typical physical and if you have a problem they'll treat it and there's not a lot of focus on what we're talking about here today about let's get down to the root cause of the problem i think we just were our medical community we just treat the problem and you know like well, they're yeah like too bu- they're too busy oh they're Most so the busy yeah they're so busy and you know where 20 years ago you would have the doctor would sit with you and actually would come to your house at you know 30 years ago and now it's you know they get exactly whatever it is six minutes to see a patient and then they got to go right. to the chart and spend a lot of time staring at the computer and it's really changed the way yeah. you know medicine is i've interviewed several doctors and you know they say we had one course in nutrition in med school they have no idea about nutrition and that's why i think it's so complimentary the the two approaches they're they're getting more and more cooperative. Um, it, it's amazing the ones, uh, the medical doctors that say, well, okay, you don't have insurance, go to doctor's nutrition, get your lab, because we'll do it so inexpensively. And, you know, we have some doctors that say, well, you need olive leaf extract, you need vitamin D, and you, you need K2. And, you know, they just go on and on. There, there are some that do that. We have several doctors here that we work with uh, on the thyroid because sometimes you can cut it with our natural approach and sometimes you might need Synthroid or Armor or something like that. And I don't know that this is going to happen, but uh, we have a possibility of going to a pretty large entity and uh, utilize vitamin and mineral supplementation to see if we can decrease ADD, ADHD, anger, aggression, and uh, violent behavior because there's so much research done by good medical places like Journal of the American Medical Association, Journal of Gastroenterology, uh, that says once you get enough of these nutrients, uh, violent behavior or ADD, ADHD can be greatly, greatly diminished. And and that's why I'm a big favor. I'm in favor of probiotics because they can help you make your own serotonin, which when we give out the supplement that has serotonin or creates serotonin, people come back and say, oh, my God, that's the peace of God in a bottle. Yeah. You know, I think it it will take a couple big, well-known health systems to embrace this. And then I think it will start changing. But the other thing that I was going to mention is, you know, the, the financial incentives are not aligned around prevention. Hospitals and doctors, they all get paid to treat. We're doing some things around trying to prevent illnesses, but until the incentives change, I think it's going to be a, a slow road. Um, I did... I attended a conference in Colorado. There were several physicians and chiropractors there, and they talked about what they're doing, but it was it was kind of anti-establishment. It's a movement that is definitely starting, I believe. If we have the best medical profession in the world, and again, I really believe we do, then why is America so unhealthy? And, you know, I, I try to cut this down to a formula, and this is not uh, original for me, but you have to, number one, remove the toxins, the, the organisms, you know, that grow that aren't supposed to be there and the harmful foods, and, you know, that's a podcast all in itself. Then you have to replace digestive enzymes, and then you have to re-inoculate the friendly organisms, which takes a long time to do because of the challenges to these friendly organisms. Then you have to repair the gut leakiness, which 
can be done with the digestive enzymes and probiotics. Uh, and, you know, there's so many different ones like, you know, from uh, Nutrition, Cancer, uh, and the Journal of the Gut that just talks about fish oil and fiber and how much that actually decreases uh, intestinal permeability. Uh, there's so many really good studies. But then again, you can't go to the big box store and get fish oil because some of that fish oil is so uh, polluted where it comes from. And some of it's very oxidized. You have to know what you're getting. You have to know that it's third-party tested. Uh, you have to know that the assay is true. Uh, and, you know, there's some fake foods, and there's also some fake supplements out there, too. I want to get back to your supplement line, but for the average listener, what are maybe the top things that they should be doing right now to get a handle on their health? If they're following the typical diet, the typical mm -hmm lack of exercise, what would be like the first steps that you would recommend? <laughs> this is probably not where you think it would go. I would try to ask them to find your need behind the need. Why do you want better health? And it's not people say, well, I want to feel better. Yes, but what else? And when you get them down to the motivation, well, I want to be able to see my four-year-old graduate high school and and get married. And then you have that internal motivation. Again, I think America has become a nation that's addicted to knowledge, but not understanding and wisdom. So I, I try to get people to say, well, why do you want to get well? And I just talked to a lady before this podcast and she said, well, I want to live for my grandkids. I said, well, you're 60, you know, you probably have many, many good years left, but you have to get uh, going with it. So get the lab and that way it takes out a major amount of the guesswork. There are so many people that come in here that are on medication, especially for diabetes. And um, when we run their three-month blood sugar, they're still extremely high. And they say, well, I'm taking the medicine. And I think they think that gives them a flag that says, go, go ahead and eat whatever you want. I'm taking this medicine now. It's all good. And somehow you need to understand you've got to take personal responsibility for your own health. A pill or drug is going to help, but it's not going to fix the root cause of why. And if you keep putting in the same things, you're just, you're going to wind up dying early. You know, I watched my grandfather lose both of his legs to, to diabetes and that's and genetically in my family. So I take active steps now to eat better and do things that I know will make a difference. And I do keep tabs on my lab and I make sure I take control of it because it's not the miracle drug that's going to, to save you. Yeah, I agree with both of your points on the the why. You have to have a why because what I see is people be like, oh, I want to lose weight. And then, you know, I, I said this on previous podcasts, then default is I'm going to go get a chicken breast and some broccoli. And then two days later, they're eating cake. And so because they don't have a why, they just want to lose weight. And that's mm -hmm. and, and it has to be a real why, like like you want to have a good quality of life with your kids or something, something that's right. going to motivate you. Don't you think we're I mean, the pharmaceutical industry is so powerful and, you know, the commercials are you're kind of walking through the tulip field or whatever. And mm -hmm. I think we've convinced everybody that you don't have to change anything. Just take a pill. And if it doesn't work, you can take two. You talked about going to China. I think the big eye-opener for us when we were in China is how small everyone is there. We were big, and we're not big people. Um, and I think America sees other Americans that large, and they assume that's normal. And unfortunately, they, we've got a warped sense of what normal is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And um, if they saw people what they were supposed to look like, look at the old pictures of the people back in the olden days, your grandfather and them, the black and white pictures. 
Those people weren't big. And you see people that way now, and, and people automatically assume they're anorexic, bulimic, or have AIDS. And it's like, no, that's what normal should become. Yeah. Uh, when we would see an overweight person in China, that was about as rare as having the, the fat kid 50 years ago You know, in, in, in the class. You know, there was always one, but it was rare. And I think it's the addiction to the carbohydrates. And I appreciate what you do with the low carb thing. It's like, you know, if you'll get away from the government subsidized, you know, wheat, soy and corn and start eating something different, if they subsidized, you know, broccoli and cauliflower and good other vegetables, you know, the kale and arugula, then and maybe then it would get cheap enough that people would begin to consume something that was nutrient dense. At the very least, cut your portion sizes in half. You know, what they're feeding you now is enough for two or three meals in one sitting. Dr. Lewis and I, when we go to eat, and, you know, I guess people think we're cheap. I don't know, but there is no way we can eat that, that kind of quantity that they put on the plate. We share a meal and then leave about, uh, of the half that we have, we usually leave some of that sitting because it's like, yeah, I don't want to eat that much. Well, well, yeah, just the McDonald's portion sizes, what what is now a kid's meal used to be the main meal. The small little paper package of fries, that used to be the normal fries. Now you get a large and it's like, I don't even know, a pound of fries or something. It's it's great. <laughs> I mean, it's cra- you're right. It's crazy. And I mean, I'm turning 50 this year and, and you're right though. When I was in school, there was maybe one overweight kid. That was it. You, mm-hmm. and now if there's one kid that's normal size, it's, yeah, he's the odd one. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's such a crazy turn of events for sure. Well, we're kind of running out of time, but I do want to get back to your supplements because it sounds like you have a really high quality line of supplements. And if you would, you've kind of mentioned a few parts of it, but why are they so high quality? Well, because I have a guy that's smarter than me in chemistry, and he will not accept anything but the absolute very best. Uh, that's you know, the doctor's nutrition line. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we do have some other lines that are uh, pharmaceutical grade. Why are they better? Because, I don't know, we just won't compromise. If there's, you know, we had our Andro build uh, the other day. It came in to the original doctor's nutrition and said, uh, oh, it tested like there was a tiny bit of gluten in the deer velvet antler. It's like, well, there shouldn't be any gluten at all, but we didn't package it up. You know, we're going for totally gluten free. So you just don't compromise because what you put into the temple of the Holy Spirit does matter. And I'm sorry if I offend people with that term, but that's the way I look at it. And the products we have here are generally three to five times stronger than what you're buying over the counter. Uh, we have some companies here that won't allow us to just advertise our products online without them making an account because they want to make sure that person is a customer of ours. And and we've counseled them on how to take the product because it is strong enough to actually move lab values. And some people don't need the things they think they need without having a consultation with the doctor. You know, that's why we run the lab and cortisol, one of the big ones on there for stress. So many people think, well, I'm tired. I need something to help me out and jack me up. Well, we've got things that do that, but sometimes they're they're way over, their cortisol's too high. They actually need it calmed down. So without lab, you don't really know which way to go and, you, and the stuff's just um, not safe for them to take without knowing. And it, it takes a pretty fair amount of nutrition for a pretty fair amount of time before your body can make those physiological changes. Tell us about how we can get a hold of you if somebody wants to begin this lab process and get a consult with you and look at your supplements. How can they reach you? 
Um, they can go to our website, a cut is a C U T above naturals with an S on the end.com. Um, there you will see a health survey that's at the top. We ask you to fill that out first because um, it comes right to Dr. Lewis and he likes to look at it and evaluate uh, what he thinks you need. Um, you know, you, we have the different lab panels there. And if you have recent lab, you can send that. Um, he doesn't charge for any of that. He, he gives away his time, which he's running out of, but he does give it away. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I stay behind, but, you know, we kind of make it make it happen. If somebody wants to get well, we mm-hmm. make sure we give enough of ourselves to make it happen. Um, they can also call us, but we always we generally ask them to fill out the health survey first. That way we know what medications they're taking because we don't want to interfere with anything they're on. And we want to know, um, you know, surgeries and that kind of thing, what, what's going on with them and what they're looking to achieve. Yeah, family history. So is this available anywhere? So it'd just be a local lab would draw it? Is that how it works? Right. They fill out the health survey, and then what we do is figure out, um, we use Quest Lab. Oh, which is um, everywhere, yeah. Yeah. Right. And in Texas, we use LabCorp. Which is and, everywhere. Uh, right, <laughs> right. Right. And generally, there's one very close to them, and we f- figure out which one's close to them, and they draw the lab for us, and then um, the results come back to us. So then uh, we are able to go over it with anybody anywhere in the United States. Do you do telephone or Skype or how does that work? Telephone. We do telephone. I email them everything that Dr. Lewis wants them to have. So they have a printout of everything. Um, They have access to all of their lab records. So it's one-on-one without actually being here, but we try to compensate for that in other ways. And then if somebody wants to work with you long-term, then they could hire you to do that. Right. A lot of people do. You know, we tell people with nutrition, it takes a minimum of three months to start getting well. And it's not our law. It's God's law. It takes three months to make changes in the body. And then it's a month for every year you've been sick. And that's how long you look at getting well. Well, that kind of gives them a reality check that it's not going to be fixed in three weeks, something that's been going on for 30 years. And I, I hear this from the conventional doctors. They say, you know, these guys want me to pull off miracle with some pill after they've abused their body for 40 years. And it's like, we, you know, we try to give them, you know, some reason to be realistic. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, any other points you want to share? Well, you know, you just uh, find a reason for, for living. You know, there's a, there's a difference between living and, and existing. And I, I tell people death is not wrong. We're all going to die. But I think the biggest sin in life is being here and not really living while we're here. So, you know, th- you know, there's a reason for that. And, you know, I try to dig deep into, well, you've got to love yourself to, to do it, or you have to have a spiritual reason, or you have to do it for your spouse. And uh, I take more supplements out of respect and love of Janet. Of course, she gives me digestive enzymes, and I wonder if that's not so she can avoid the gas bloating and belching later. I don't know. <laughs> well, that, that is her why. I do it out of love. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's awesome. That's great advice. Well, and we are we try to make it fun. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's such a great service you're doing. And I think it's a great service that you have with these labs, because for those that, you know, haven't went to a hospital, they're very, very expensive. And so this is a, an alternative that people can afford and um, they can get a handle on their health. That's it. That's what we're trying to do. Yeah. So cool. Well, Dr. Lewis and Janet, thank you so much. Skyping in from Texas, this has been a a very interesting podcast, and we will link everything in the show notes to your website, and hopefully people will reach out and get some of these tests started. Good. We appreciate you having us on. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Yeah, well, thank you so much, and uh, keep doing what you're doing.
Okay. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you for being with us today, and we hope that you are on the road to your successful low-carb lifestyle. Become a leader in your health and a leader in life. Check us out at www.thelowcarbleader.com. And remember to join Dan again next time on the Low Carb Leader Podcast.